Ghostbusters. Yes, of course, they're serious. You do? You have? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. And I'm Abby. And this week's movie is Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. I planned that badly. I just yelled on top of you. And I was planning that all day. Oh, and then no. Really? You were planning a different thing. And. Oh, well. <laughs> Through the magic Classic. of editing, <laughs> we've timed it perfectly. <laughs> oh, God. How are you? I'm sweating, like, a lot. Oh, I'm just yeah. this ball of sweat right now. <laughs> Otherwise, good. It's got very humid. So, how are you? Um, cold. Oh. <laughs> but this is... Our last movie recording before Christmas, so I am sat here, even though we're actually recording in November, with my little mini tree <laughs> for ambiance. I always wanted to Christmas do Christmas. <laughs> Why can't I have well, Christmas? Because you live in Australia, so sorry. I'm a Jew. That's not how it works. <laughs> and you're Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Suffering your Jew sucks. Forgot about that part. <laughs> oh, that's fine. You can do Christmas anyway. It's fine. Yeah, I mean. Everyone does. My mom is listening at me. All right. Okay. Sorry. You can't do Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a picture of my tree. <laughs> okay. We should have mentioned it, and I should have noticed, and I didn't notice, but we should have mentioned it, but our last episode, Wally, it was out two weeks ago, was our six-month anniversary. Hey! Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary, podcast partner. <laughs> I'm so pumped right now. Um, not normally pumped at this hour on a Sunday morning, but, you know, I drank tar for coffee this morning, so I'm very pumped. <laughs> and we get to talk about Ghostbusters. Shall I do my summary for you, Frida? Yes, ma'am. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghost because they're not real. Or so we might believe. Dr. Venkman, sponging off John B. Ryan's research but using it to bed the pretty co-eds, coupled with our nerd duo of Stance and Spengler, have all been tucked away in the basement of Columbia's psychology department to explore their quirky tastes for the paranormal. Who are you going to call? The parapsychologists! No? No? Okay, we better get the plot going. In the depths of the public library, they experience their first ever encounter with psychokinetic energy as a non-neutral ectoplasm lingering on the corporeal plane. It was a ghost. They saw a ghost. Psyched by their encounter of the spooky kind, they head back to the lab to find they have been ousted. Effective immediately. No more research funds for your hokey science. Out, out, and take those Zenner cards with you. At a loss for what to do, but boosted by the realisation that ghosts are hella real, they go into business. It's a science startup. 
And what do you need when you're a startup? A swanky office and some nifty marketing. Or a rundown old firehouse and a TV ad that can only have been the inspiration for service is selling and selling is service. But don't knock it. It brought the lovely Dana to their door after all. Venkman enthusiastically investigates her apartment for a creature calling out the name Zool. But with no trace, he goes on his merry way with a twinkle in his eye. They did get paid up front after all. Ghostbusters are a go. And ghostly sightings are becoming more and more frequent throughout New York. Curious. As our dastardly trio suit up their proton packs, ready the traps and unholster their PKE detectors, we learn, a bit late mind, that you do not cross the streams, because it would be very, very bad. With business booming and a fourth team member mastering a particle thrower, welcome Winston, all is good in ghost town. However, in a fridge uptown, or maybe downtown, I've never been to New York, I've no idea. (laughs) Another dimension is knocking on the door and the gatekeeper is waiting. Now where is that pesky key master? Or Quartet makes it to the swanky apartment block to find Dana, aka Zool, who is now a dog, and Lewis, also now a dog, waiting patiently for the arrival of the god Gozer. Realising that there ain't no way the proton packs are going to trap a god, they opt for reason. Men. Reason. In the 80s. Well, it turns out that Gozer is a chick god and she ain't here for reasonable conversation. She is going to take up space and make some noise. But I guess she figures she has to be a dude to do that. So enter the giant Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Since the Ghostbusters traps are not designed to contain a god, Egon reckons, fuck it, let's cross the streams. But aim them at the portal, since by the laws of all things other dimension-like, that'll banish Gozer back to where she came from and close the portal. Because science! Hurrah! It worked! They didn't explode, Dana is a hot lady chick again, and the EPA dude is in a marshmallow ball of rage. New York is saved. Merry Christmas, everyone! The end. I I had never seen Ghostbusters. Oh my god, wait, what? Yeah, I now I have... <gasps> I'm shocked. Yeah, that was I, that was the first time I saw it. What did you think? I watched it twice because I the because I was like <laughs> I watched it once and I was just a bit sleepy that night, so I was a bit sleepy and then I watched it a second time because I was like I need to I need to for the fans, I need to make sure that I do this justice. I have to give respect to Ghostbusters. So I watched it two times. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. Like that I, it's just so funny. It's so yeah. funny. But it's more than, it's like this, it's so good. It's because they're so hilarious. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just yay, so funny. I'm glad. I'm, that's actually, that's actually kind of cool that you'd never seen it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad it. that you actually enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> Write it down in the books, I, people. I, I, I picked yeah, a movie well, and Frida liked it. Somebody who's taking tally. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, yeah. it's beloved. So it's like, it's, it's so it, you know, I made sure that I was, I gave yeah. it a lot of attention. Um, well, that's what, 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 what uh, what do you, how do we how do we talk I know, about we'll it? We'll talk you about go, it. Yeah, you go. You run. You run the show. One second. I just want to bring up Ernie Hudson because when when I was rewatching it and I was like, oh, this guy, 
Ernie Hudson is just another one of those people that's in everything. Mm. He's in so many movies, so many TV shows. But the thing that really tripped me out about it is Ghostbusters is 1984, right? If you look at a picture of Ernie Hudson today, he looks the same. (sighs) That man is ageless. He is a damn fine looking man right now. Oh my God. Winston? Yeah. Do you know that was going to be Eddie Murphy? Yeah. And then they cut the role down after they cast Ernie Hudson. So, yeah, it's a bit of a pity about that. But I don't know. He's been in a lot of, a lot of stuff. It's like your James Red porn chat. Just bring up <laughs> Ernie Hudson <laughs> in so much stuff. Um, right. So do you have a favorite scene? Um, I think my favorite, my favorite thing. And then as I say this, I can tell you it kind of at the same time why I lo- what I loved about the movie is the ad that they do, right? The yes. ad that they do is so funny because um, each of them are obviously comedians, but the reason why the movie is so good is because they're able to turn their whole comedian bits into like entire characters. It isn't just, yeah. I'm an improv SNL comedian being funny. It's like, I've managed to turn all these quirks into a whole person. So when they're standing there, they're like, and Dan Aykroyd's like full of energy. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? And Egon does this amazing <laughs> step forward. Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement and attic? And then he steps <laughs> back and Binkman's yeah. like, have you anyone in your family ever seen a spook, spectre or ghost? And then the way Dan Arkwood is like, well, well blah, 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 you know, and then they go, we're ready to believe you. And the camera holds and, and Egon is just like twitching. He's just like, uh, uh. and, and Bill Murray's kind of struggling to smile. And Dan Arkwood's just like, bing. <laughs> it's like the, the whole brilliance of the movie in just 30 seconds. So, Excellent. so good. <laughs> Fantastic. Did, did you have a favorite bit? Um, my favorite scene, I just, I have to bring it, and I wish I could do this accent. You can do it, so you might be able to repeat it for me better. But uh, what are you supposed to be? Some kind of cosmonaut? Oh, no, the guy standing that there. That whole elevator <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, no, we're Ghostbusters. All right, and then like when they get into the elevator, they're like, "Do you want to come in?" He's like, "I'll wait for the next one. I'll wait for the next one." <laughs> With his like cigar and just, <laughs> it was just such a great kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but that little bit of that moment of the interaction of the three of them with that guy just really just made yeah. me just oh, I just loved it. Like, just why yummy. is it so good? Like, why <laughs> is that so good? And other movies try to do this and fail. Like. Yeah. Why? Exactly. It was just yeah. effortless. That's the thing, isn't it? It's when, when something just works in such a wonderful yeah. way. But even when they work in a wonderful way, there's still going to be tropes involved, right? So uh-huh. <laughs> shall we move directly in swiftly into our tropes um, and get them out of the way? What was your trope this week, Frida? My trope is called, this is the trope that's called, and... It's come up before, so now I'm going to name the trope. It will come up again. It's called reverse the polarity trope. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. So it's basically when there's, a, when there's some huge science fiction obstacle, which is resolved really quickly because of some techno babble, techno babble, blah, 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 and then they successfully reverse the polarity and it seems like every single gadget that exists in science fiction world can somehow be reversed and that solves <laughs> the problem and power it backwards and then it works. And, and in this case, they're like, 
cross the streams and then reverse the particle flow through the gate. And then it works because they're like improvising to do with reversing something. And <laughs> so it's called reverse the polarity. I love that you've given it a reverse the polarity name. I think that's perfect. Well, it's a thing. And it actually first appeared in Doctor Who, the idea of reversing. Because oh. <clears throat> oh, don't shit Reversing on the Who. polarity. Shh. Never. I'm not even shitting on this movie with this. It's basically right, okay. like some phrase which sounds like it could be sciency enough that explains yeah. that they did a thing that solved the problem. It's reverse the right. polarity, and that's all. Um, <laughs> it's great. What What was your trope? Mine was the EPA guy <laughs> related to him, just in general. <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor, poor William Atherton. No, it's the whole irresponsible dude comes in and doesn't understand the realities and just fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing. Where you're just going like, do you really think a guy working in environmental protection would be so completely irresponsible as to just randomly turn something off like that without understanding any of it? Is that you asking the question? Can I answer? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, it's hard. Y- yes. Oh. <laughs> Shit, really? Yeah, it turns out that, look, I don't know so much about the history of the EPA and I know this movie, I don't know if we want to talk about this. Do we want to talk about this now? Well, we'll bring it up again in a while, relationships with the EPA. So if you want to hold off, you can. Yeah, well, I'll say yes and then we'll talk about it later. All right, okay, cool. Okay. (laughs) What I do want to say, though, is I I do feel bad because William Atherton played the role really well, but uh, like I really wanted to punch him. But... um. The actor got like he got a lot of shit for it. Yeah, yeah, after the I movie, saw that. And I feel really bad about him. <laughs> bad for him. <laughs> he get he got um he gets uh people pick fights with him. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine like that's your that's your like life for a while. <laughs> Can I just do something else quickly that people will know bigger, please? I know, but wait, that's funny because I saw a funny thing about him, and I'm gonna read it because it's written so funny that people people would try to pick a fights with him and the article says not even shaving his beard could prevent people from holy shit we just realized he's the jerk from die hard too (laughs) (laughs) anyway it's amazing (laughs) it's good right that's very good yeah um okay so we're moving into our science section, but before we do that, Frida, welcome to my new segment, Science or Movies. Oh, yeah. I'm going to read you a line from the movie, and I need you to tell me if you think there is any scientific basis, or is it just movie hogwash? Let's play. Okay. Let's play Science or Movies. Question one. Don't forget I was present for an unexplained mass sponge migration. (laughs) Can you explain this line? What the fuck? No. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, sea sponges are sessile organisms and they are attached to the sea floor. So they're not likely to be following a migration pattern. So OVS, an unexplained migration, can only be down to a paranormal event. <gasps> I mean, come on. Question number two. Actually, you've already <laughs> you've brought this up already, but we'll go with it anyway. <clears throat> Don't cross the streams. It would cause total protonic reversal. <sighs> what is total protonic reversal? 
for, for anyone listening who doesn't have video, if you could just see the stunned, confused expression on her face right now, it's I'm great. I've really been put on the spot here. <laughs> you can't go on, Abby. Tell me. It's not a thing. You're okay. <laughs> you never know. Don't say anything, so, Frida. Don't say anything. Causing a reversal of the particle flow to surround... No, like... Causing a, a reversal of the particle flow that then causes surrounding particles to stop instantaneously and explode at the speed of light. Does anyone out there know? <laughs> Every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. And then our final question. Question number three. Science or movies, Frida? Are you currently menstruating? Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> Back off, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say it like Bill Murray. I won't even try. No one can. Yeah. Unbelievable. No, nobody can. Do you think that there was any scientific basis for asking if she was currently menstruating? No. Well, <laughs> Frida. In parapsychology, there is some correlation between menstrual cycles and latent telekinetic powers. So, when Venkman asks her if she's menstruating, he's actually trying to figure out if she caused the disturbance herself through psychic powers. Well, it totally makes sense. You'd actually have to have some data in order to have correlation. Is my salty well, come back to that? You know. <laughs> Ooh, salty. I like it. <laughs> And that was science or movies. Thank you for joining. <laughs> but like, shall we move into our main science section? Go on. Yep. Yeah, ready. Shall we start with our scientists? Mm -hmm. We have three scientists in this movie. We have Dr. Peter Venkman, played by Bill Murray, who has a doctorate in psychology and parapsychology. We then have Dr. Raymond Stantz, played by Dan Aykroyd, who is a parapsychologist who focuses on paranormal history and metallurgy for some reason. And then we have Dr. Egon Spengler, a parapsychologist with a focus on quantum studies, played by Harold Ramis, who also wrote the script with Dan Aykroyd. Um, I've also written down Winston Zeddemora, played by Ernie Hudson, but I don't think he's a scientist. No. Like, I know the original character was supposed to be ex-Air Force, but I assumed when I was watching it, he was also a scientist. But No, I, I think not. he was like just there for the, for the job. Yeah. Yeah, a non-believer. Um, what did you think of our trio? I love that each one of them embodied a very different kind of person and a different kind of yeah. scientist. Definitely. Perfect. That you had like... Um, Egon was like the straight nerdy nerd and then you had the overexcited childlike so excited and passionate yeah. about it Dan Aykroyd and then you had the absolutely cynical it's not that he's not a, not a believer he's just utterly cynical about about his job and he does treat it a bit like a hustle He's kind of more focused on how yeah. I can make money from it and not so concerned or any passionate about it whatsoever. They just embodied like three very, very, very different sorts of people from beginning to end. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly how I felt about it as well. I was like, this is this is a nice kind of balance of three different personalities coming together and 
you know, complementing each other mm-hmm. in some ways um, to get the job done. Yeah. But I definitely enjoyed it. Yes. I couldn't quite... The thing that got me, right? So if we talk about... Uh, this will bring us into like parapsychology as a... As a um, sorry, this will bring us into parapsychology as an actual academic subject. Because I was trying to look into it, right? I was trying to figure out if there was any information on whether it is an actual current academic discipline. Mm. And I'm sure that there are groups out there, but it's definitely not been mainstream for a while now. And even at that, I guess it really depends on what area we're talking about. So if we look at like Venkman, right? At the beginning, his experiment that he's doing, this is very clearly a replication of John B. Ryan's experiments from back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And John B. Ryan is where the origination of parapsychology actually came from because he was investigating extrasensory perceptions like ESP using the Zener cards, which is what Venkman uses in the movie. And he was doing it to test students' aptitudes for identifying the correct symbol in order to determine if they, you know, had some ESP, I guess. I don't, I don't know how identify... <laughs> Even trying to talk about it, I can't say it correctly. What am I even saying? Okay, so John B. Ryan in the 30s presented a huge amount of research. For many years, it was thought to be proof of ESP. But no group could ever replicate his work. And finally, in around the 60s, like the basic flaws in the actual methodology of his experiments were shown. And then, like now to date, using Zener cards to identify people with ESP has like never been proven. Mm-hmm. You cannot produce any usable results. Yeah. People still keep trying, but like we can very clearly see that Ryan is the motivation for what Venkman is doing and what his field of expertise is, even though he seems completely uninterested in himself. What I couldn't figure out was what the exact area referenced under parapsychology would be that Stentz and Spengler were. I was like, it, they gave such a clear direction for Venkman and then Stenson Spengler were just kind of like, oh, we hunt ghosts. <laughs> I thought. I don't know. But then I was like, but obviously Venkman is something physics and Spengler is something, or Stens, sorry, no. <laughs> obviously Spengler is something physics-y and Stens is something, I don't know. What Did, did you find anything about any of this. Did, what do you well, think? Well, it's based on please. real people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> I mean, Dan Aykroyd himself grew up in a family of what I guess they called spiritualists. So he grew up around people oh. that believe in all this shit. And that's why he wrote it. Um, so, like, he, he he was surrounded by supernatural shit. And his grandfather was would conduct seances. And his family actually studied spirits. And his father wrote a book called A History of Ghosts. And so they. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, it followed, like, throughout his whole life, Dan Aykroyd, all this shit followed him. He experienced hauntings, he said, in home and in his Hollywood home. So it's actually, you know, he used to read uh, research papers about parapsychology. The quantum wow. physics and paras- parapsychology together, you know, that shit. So he, so that was his oh o- whole idea was about combining. So I guess it's like quantum physics and parapsychology. The intersection of those is something that people do study. So that, I guess, is maybe you have the quantum physicist, was that Dan Eckert's character potentially, and the parapsychologist possibly was inspired by the fact that he read papers that do combine those two things together. 
Right. And maybe okay. they're using quantum. You know what it is? It's a bit using quantum physics to explain paranormal activity, I bet. I bet. It's all yes. that all that bullshit. But no, it's inspired by real life people. Um, the person, I don't know if you came across this one, but um, uh, his name is Christopher uh, Chacon. I don't fucking know how to say this name. C-H-A-C-O-N. <laughs> Cacon? Cachon? <laughs> no, I Chacon? No I have no fucking idea. Um, but he, he, that's the real person. Yes, it's inspired on uh, Dr. J.B. Wright and also someone called Hans Holzer. But this was brought him mm. to real life Ghostbuster. Real life go- right. Ghostbuster. And he's dealt with, he says he's dealt with every t- sort of paranormal phenomena imaginable. He's experienced everything. He's the most experienced investigator out there. Like, he's like... <laughs> He's the real Ghostbuster. He's an ultimate Ghostbuster. He's he's seen it all. He's seen it all. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, do you know he didn't ask me anything on Twitter, on Reddit? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, he, he, he said nothing. People were like, tell us a crazy experience. And he was the vaguest person ever. Tell us oh. about a crazy case you're dealing with. He was so fucking vague. Bullshit. I call bullshit. <laughs> really, you don't believe? <laughs> do, 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 Frida, do. I thought you were into scientific exploration. <laughs> you sound like my brother. <laughs> really, Frida? <laughs> you don't believe this? I thought you were into research. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, look, I don't blame you for <laughs> not being into it. I mean, in general, I really did try to find like current academic departments like at universities that were doing this and and I found I found people that were like talking about it or researching the history of it of course and and researching it under like psychology into kind of like oh you know was this a thing but I didn't find anything that seemed like people are like oh no we believe this is real and and this is our research and here are our findings and I guess that's why that's probably because there's probably not any funding for it, maybe, I would hazard a guess. And in exploring the movies that we have been exploring, what I like about it is I like that we get to talk about a lot of the realities of being a researcher in academia. And I know I've talked about like funding in terms of like space flight and geostorm and stuff like that. But this is a more realistic scale of funding for specific research in a university setting. Uh, so on that note, Frida, <laughs> grant termination, immediate oh, eviction. Yeah. Really? Um, really? Do you know, I actually like, ex- get out right now? experienced it. Like as in. Really? <clears throat> no one was like, get out, it's over. But when the date came up, I had to go. That was it. It was a sad day. But no one told me get out. But it was like, we can no longer renew yeah. your contract. But that's the end of a contract, right? But this, yeah. <laughs> in this movie, it's like we've terminated your grant. Like we've yeah. just decided, we have decided you are not having money anymore. So you have to get out right now. It yeah. just, <laughs> that, that just wouldn't like, happen. Would that really happen? No, because you, you get awarded a grant. That's the money you bring to yeah. the university. And that will have conditions, I guess. But I mean, the whole thing about science, it's very hard to get fired from a university after a certain point in your mm. career, surely. Yeah, you you go until Maybe the money runs the point, out. Though. Maybe that was the point. They were like, we we can only get rid of them now or we're stuck with them forever. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was a special case. It's like, it's parapsychology. Get out. 
in the 80s. I guess that's the 80s is probably the time that leads leads into really the time where people were like, this yeah. is not a thing. Well, uh, I mean, it's funny because I think this movie did a funny way of like mainstreaming paranormal activity for people. I don't yeah. think it was much of a thing, but I think around this time there was like a lot of interest in this shit. Uh, um, but a thing in this a thing in this movie that was, and I think that's the strength of the movie is that it's really about three people who find themselves without a job and decide to go into business. Yeah, because um, that is like leading after the eighties, leading into the whole like startup or the dot com bubble, yeah. right? Where everyone started to going into business. Um, but I guess in this case, it's even like they kind of like firemen or like blue collar workers, weirdly. But yeah, going into They're, going yeah, into business. Like pest control. Pest control, thing. that's right. That's what they say. That's what they say in that scene that I love with the car. What are you, some kind of cosmonaut? Yeah. And then they say something like, um, no, we're exterminators. Exterminators. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's you, what they you are. look like exterminators. And, and it's and funny because <laughs> first, you know, they're obviously all academics and they live like a very cushioned life as an academic. And then mm. when you have like an idea or you've been fired and so you decide to go into business with your science ideas, you find yourself like having to deal with the business side of things all of a sudden. And like maybe the kind of people that are amazing at science aren't amazing at business. And yes, they use up yeah. all of their money. And then they're like, that's the last of it. Yeah. Very common. Very, rela- <laughs> very relatable this movie was. It was relatable. The ghost part was like... We accept there's ghosts. It wasn't like the story wasn't about them believing in ghosts or anybody believing in ghosts. Yeah. It was about three guys going into business together, leaving academia, <laughs> and it still applies till today. Their their story. We're ready to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So. You get into business, but once you get into business, once you leave your institution environment in your, your you know, as we're all a little bit cushioned in our university environment, mm-hmm. you leave your institution, you become a self-funded startup. That means that you lose some of the backing and protection that's afforded to you under the researcher mantle because you're now a business and you're subject to all the rules and regulations that all businesses are. So... This means that the Environmental Protection Agency can come in and shut you down or shut down your super-duper power using containment units sending out a massive stream of ectoplasm. So, let's go science versus government departments. EPA, (laughs) EPA. (laughs) I seriously wanted to punch him so bad. Not just you, apparently. Yeah. Um, what? How did you feel about this whole vibe of the the EPA coming in and taking control and just doing something so insanely stupid? Like, so okay, so I said it a while ago in my in my trope, and you told me that <laughs> you have led me to believe that my thoughts on this would never happen are incorrect. So please do explain. It's definitely incorrect because it it would happen, but it. It's it's a hard one with this because, yes, the EPA, it's really hard to know what's the truth because there's so many opinions around the EPA and other regulatory bodies. It's hard to know really what it is without really doing a lot of research. Okay. But, yeah, there is a reputation that the EPA, that the people 
that are from the EPA that go to do inspections aren't trained or educated in the areas that they're inspecting. And they're just reading off sort of bureaucratic guidelines um, without actually understanding the principles or the science behind any of these things. That is a really, that is a real reputation that EPA actually has. However. Uh, Super dangerous. Yeah. However, the other thing is like, you have to take it with a with a pinch of salt because in the eighties America was really obsessed with getting rid of these regulations, and and bodies like okay. the EPA were like enemies to business or seen as enemies to business, and throughout the next few decades, people in power and still to today have done everything they can to like strip these regulations away, one at a time, to detriment of the environment. I'm sure right? Even though there's been growth. So honestly, I don't know what's true. It's really hard to have an opinion because there's so much shit from every direction about these sorts of things. Like take it in context. This was the eighties. That was what people thought in the eighties. That was what people were told to think in the eighties. And also don't forget, this is, um, the Saturday night live kind of crew. And they were, they're very political and they're not afraid of being political as well. And so that was, this is the opinions of those people. But honestly, like what's true and what's not true. I have no fucking idea with, especially with the EPA. (laughs) It's clearly important, right? The EPA is clearly important. Yeah. It's an important body. That's the thing. And it makes sense that, you know, you you don't know what they're doing. So you're going to want to come in and be like, come here, guys, you're you're doing something. You're draining a lot of power. You're, you know, we don't know because this has never been done before. So how do you know what what regulations they should be under? Yeah. But just the idea that you would just come in and go, I don't understand it. Shut it down. (laughs) It's like, but then I guess, as you said, like, if they're trained to treat them as an enemy, then they're not responding in a, like, no, seriously, like, you can't actually do this for this, this, and this reason. Mm. You just have Venkman just, like, basically being a dick. Yeah. Speaking of dick. Kind of fairly, but <laughs> a dick to dickless. But... <laughs> it's hard to know. I think the EPA can be that awful and infuriating. Which, I mean, it is a thing, I guess. Like, it's a constant thing that happens in any area, I guess. But, like, maybe in science where you're doing something and you have people who have some level of control over what you're doing, but they don't understand what you're doing. And it's very frustrating because you're like, you can't make these decisions because you don't understand what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. here. I think it happens in every business, to be fair. Not, um, not, oh, there goes the dog. Science. Science. Speaking of science, speaking of doing science, mm-hmm. shall we talk about <laughs> ghosts? Come on, we have if we have to. Nah. Okay, so I, what I want, I, I've got two things I need to say about this before we get into it. Right, the first thing is that because there's a lot of information with Ghostbusters, right? it's a franchise. Like there's there's movies, cartoons, video games. There's so many different media. Yeah. And since this first movie in 1984, it has obviously grown quite a lot. And if we're not all insanely excited about the movie next year, Afterlife, coming out, oh my God, I am ready for this. But because we have all of these different streams, Mm -hmm. it means that the story has developed. Streams. 
and things get explained a little bit more maybe in the video game and they get explained a bit more in the cartoons. Okay. But we're talking about the original 1984 first ever movie. So I'm approaching it from that perspective. I will be ignoring any later versions that might supplement the story by giving it a clearer explanation. So we're just going to talk about it from this point of view. The second thing I need to say is that I'm not going to go too heavy here, right? It's a lol movie. I'm, it's very, very particle physics related. <laughs> And I'm sure that we will come back to particle physics in the future. I will make sure of it. So for now, I'm just gonna we're just gonna do like a little overview of what the Ghostbusters explanation is and how there's some sense of science basis for it. Okay. I can't wait. I can't wait. Like I just bow down to you. Okay. Okay, go. okay. Let's go through the four steps of ghost busting as laid out by the Ghostbusters themselves. And then we'll like unpack some of the components and see where we are. So first up, Frida. Okay. Do you know what ghosts are? Energy left because energy can't be destroyed. It can't be created. It has to be transferred. So when somebody dies, where does the energy go? It has to drift until... Uh, I don't know that bit. That. Consciousness is energy. Consciousness, the body. Leaves, it's energy. Something. Is that? Is that it? Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close. Okay, so... I've seen some movies. A ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> All right. A ghost, in this sense, is referred to as an entangling ectoplasmic entity. It is psychokinetic energy, PKE, that lingers on the corporeal plane. This PKE can ionize particles, which causes them to have a negative charge. The negative charge turns them into a non-neutral ectoplasm. So far, this makes sense, right? Like, no. As in the words do and the order that I'm saying them makes sense though, yeah? What's the corporal plane? No. Is that moving? No. Okay, shush. Okay. <laughs> okay, shut up for now. The PKE cannot be seen in the visible spectrum of light, but it can interact with the physical plane. When it does, it leaves trace amounts of ectoplasmic residue, which is a non-Newtonian fluid. <laughs> Yeah, right there. I'm trying to focus on what you're saying really hard. Uh, well, let's take some of the things that I just said and have a little chat about them, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, sorry, one second. I'm genuinely trying to look up what the corporeal plane is. <laughs> Is that the living? Like corp like corporeal plane. So corporeal bodies. means involving or relating to the physical yeah. world rather than the corp spiritual yeah. world. Okay, so yeah, so physical. Cool. All right, moving on from that because I wrote nothing about it and I also said corporeal instead of corporeal, but we're just going to let it all go. Let's start with ectoplasmic entity. Now, ectoplasm is a real word used in spiritualism to refer to spiritual energy. And it was actually first attributed by uh, Professor Charles Richet way back in 1894. And Richet was a French physiologist who actually won the Nobel Prize in 1913 and was celebrated for his work in immunology. But he was also 
heavily into the paranormal, a raging racist and a big, big fan of eugenics. So, you know, history. Let's just move on from that. Um, Old timey white guys aside, let's talk psychokinetic energy. (laughs) Okay. Psychokinetic energy, PKE. This comes from the idea. This is... uh, Right. Okay. I know you... (laughs) No, you already had a reaction to this, but let's 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 go. Let's try. I'm I'm really trying. Okay, it comes from psychokinesis, which is basically the psychic ability to influence a physical system without physical interaction. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, the thing I don't understand here, right, is that in terms of psychokinesis, the idea is that you can alter a physical object with only your mind. This means that your mind needs to send out energy to the object that has a force strong enough to overcome the fundamental forces of physics, electromagnetism, gravitation, strong and weak nuclear forces. Given the strengths of these forces, it would have to be crazy big, but also undetectable by every experiment so far. So the thing is, how does this apply to a ghost? Is it to say that this invisible energy used for psychokinesis is the same energy that allows Haley Joel Osment to see dead people? Like, that it can not only take some physical form through its interaction with the corporeal plane, but it also has a mind and a consciousness to some level, like it's got brainwaves or something? What, like, I, but, but PKE is a form of energy, and so radiation, and it should have a wavelength somewhere, right? On the electromagnetic spectrum? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When you said yes. that, I, when you said about the, the spectrum, I was like, okay, so what is the wavelength? Does it have one? Yeah, does it? I don't know. No, because you can't measure it because it's not a fucking thing. Yeah, it's just this idea of uh, like uh, magic, uh, the magic. And it uh, makes you do this and it makes you do that. It's just the energy it's this, very I think vague all of this kind of shit comes from like this idea that like if we think back to you know if you think back to the electromagnetic spectrum as an example and if we think back to when like you know visible light and the and newton and his prism and he splits it in and you're like oh light has all these different like white light has these different wavelengths or it's composed of all these different wavelengths um and then you know herschel's doing some experiments and he's like oh i'll just put some I want to see if there's different temperatures in the visible light. And he puts a thermometer out to the side and is like, oh, this is hotter. Hey, infrared. So, like, I guess if we take it in the idea that, you know, over time, people discovered other wavelengths within the electromagnetic spectrum that we couldn't see, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, that makes sense. But how would we not have detected it by now if it would need to have such a high amount of energy to be able to actually cause a physical effect on an object. Yeah. But even at that, I don't understand what the connection, like that's one thing if you're saying you, you're trying to alter or move an object, but how does that translate to a physical ghost being in front of you? you that So you're saying you get that there might be energy lingering that could cause objects to move. Let's argue. I'm not, yeah, yeah. You're saying let's argue. Yeah, okay. Then we're talking... So there is, yeah, there's energy and it can cause objects to move. But how does that energy form itself into a ghost? Then there's the idea of visually seeing that thing and the form that it takes and why would it take that form? And why would that that form form also has to have some sort of consciousness, exactly. That could interact and and an intention. 
So yeah. it's the consciousness. And, and it has to have, you can say it doesn't have consciousness because you could say it's not aware of what it's doing, but it's taking a physical form that resembles. Yeah. You're, you're saying that a ghost, it, not you, but pe- like the idea is that the ghost is a physical representation of an existing person, yeah. a being that lived before. Yes. Who has brain, The residual mind, energy of this being. Which has thoughts that can interact physically yeah. because actually there's some physical interaction and physical things that you're picking up on. So I think my brain might break. <laughs> but it's also like, what about the body that's left behind? Like, how do they? Uh, so the body is left behind and all that matter and all that energy and all of those things, which like uh, cause. Uh, is that like an imprint? Is it like a. Is that like, you know the way holograms are made? I'm not very good at this. <laughs> so holograms are made by shining laser light on an object and collecting all of the points that are reflected onto a film. And then you have a reference light beam as well that comes in and shines on the film and it causes a diffraction pattern on the film. Or not a diffraction, sorry, it causes an interference pattern on the film. And then if you take away the reflected light and if you shine just the original light on the film, it will kind of reverse the process Mm -hmm. and it will show you the image. It will show you just the light that was reflected on the image. Yeah. So are we saying that like the energies are interacting, that the PKE is interacting in some way with the residual... Sorry, one second. The dog is going absolute fucking psycho. Mailman? Daisy? Um, so are we saying that like the the PKE psychic psychokinesis energy stuff is interacting with the residual energy left over by somebody who has died and is causing us to see an image of the person that can do stuff? Did I just solve ghosts? Yeah, a, hol- a hologram is being made, <laughs> but what what's the there's some sort of an interference pattern going on between the dead person's energy and the real world and then the 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 psychokinesis. Bottom line I don't know. Bottom line, there's absolutely no reason that a ghost would take the form of its body. That makes no sense. Because the body's left behind. The body's there. There's no plausible explanation as to why it has a body. There's the body. <laughs> what we are also saying here is that there is this ectoplasmic fluid, right? Mm-hmm. This residue, ectoplasmic residue is left behind, right? That's what Slimer does. Mm-hmm. It's this non-Newtonian fluid. Yeah. So it's an oobleck. Um, I'm really pumped by this whole oobleck thing because I legitimately didn't know about this. I'm a scientist and I did not know about oobleck. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. So... If you think about water and ice being the same, but having different physical properties depending on temperature, a non-Newtonian fluid is similar, but the differences, um, but the different physical properties occur under pressure. So you can have a liquid be all liquidy and then you apply some pressure and it will respond like a solid because its viscosity changes. Mm -hmm. So if you approach it slowly, you can move through it easily as the particles have time to move. But if you come at it with some force, it will actually feel hard. It's like super trippy. Um, Oobleck is the legitimate real name for it. And I have linked a Scientific American article in the show notes because it gives you a cornstarch recipe version that you can make at home Mm -hmm. so you can see for it yourself and you can 
see where I'm coming from and believe me. Um, Non-Newtonian fluids are things like um, quicksand and stuff. So uh, this is the idea that like this residue is or this exoplasmic entity is this kind of thing it's like you come at it slowly and you can just move through it whereas if you hit it with some force it can become solid and interact with the plane Mm -hmm. with the physical plane so we know what we're looking for we're looking for these these beings that go around and behave like this so how are we going to find them they you need a detector of some sort right yeah what was the fucking so it's a pke meter (sighs) Now, it's obviously detecting the amount of psychokinetic energy in the area. And if the readings are off the charts, there do be ghosts in the neighborhood. Yeah, okay, this is bonkers, but also it's actually real. <laughs> like, not for psychokinetic energy, because psychokinetic energy is not fucking real. But an actual scientific tool called a gaseous ionization detector is used to detect the presence of ionizing particles and measure ionizing radiation. It uses a gas filled sensor and then if there's enough radiation present to ionize a particle in the sensor it will produce a current and basically like a Geiger counter is an example of one of these. Mm -hmm. So if we're saying that the ghosts are ionizing particles right then we can detect them using a Geiger counter because if you're just looking for a big concentration of ionizing particles, then you find them. Cool. You found your ghost. Awesome. You have a ghostly presence. It's got a high concentration of ionized particles. You have an instrument to detect them. You found your ghost. How are you going to capture it? Do you want to know? Yeah. I mean, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) And with the nuclear weapon. It's important to your life, right? With the nuclear weapon. Yes. Well, okay, so to capture a ghost, you need a proton pack and a neutrona wand. Easy, right? (laughs) The pack provides accelerated particles that are then sent out in a beam of positively charged protons that can attract the negatively charged ectoplasm, breaking their bonds and weakening the ghost entity, allowing for it to be captured in an ectotrap. But do not cross the streams, Frida. (sighs) What do you think about this whole proton pack and neutrona wand? So, do you think this is a thing? No, no, it is. Uh. <laughs> it's a real thing, like an electron well, gun. In context, like an electron gun. Um, actually, but with, but for we are talking. Oh, we're talking about a cyclotron. Oh, we're about a mini particle accelerator. Mini, oh, yeah. Let's go through the bits, right? The proton pack, okay? So Egon refers to it as a nuclear accelerator. Mm -hmm. And what he's actually saying is that they're each wearing a mini cyclotron Uh, with a particle thrower attached. So a cyclotron is a circular particle accelerator and it uses alternating currents to generate particle motion and then accelerate them to higher energies. And by applying magnetic fields, you can force a curvature in the trajectory of the particle, steering it towards the detector and in this case towards an outlet which is a perfectly logical and um, normal thing. You just need to have it be small enough to fit on a backpack. Do you think that that is possible? So you're, you're describing like a cyclotron or a synchrotron, basically, where they accelerate and then they get sent off down in the beam lines and then that's what you use to apply it on your experiments. And the question is, can you make this so teeny that it can be on a backpack how teeny can it be how teeny can it be you know what the smallest ever cyclotron made to date is tell me made at fermilab yeah eight centimeters oh baby 
like a little baby cyclotron. Our particles are small, man, you know? Protons, they're teeny tiny. Aww. You need a lot of them if you're going to make a beam in the way that the Ghostbusters are. But, um, the, so, the basically, the proton pack is a possible thing. Mm. And that it would sh- it's be shooting It's not completely off. bonkers. But the question is, well... I think the question so well, much for me is what what it would shoot off. Would that have that amount of energy to be doing the shit that they're doing? Yeah, That's I don't. Kind I of don't a, know. It would harm you, but not like maybe that second that you would explode. And it depends what it is, I guess, at what energy, but. Yeah. That's my question is like, well, what are you shooting? The... And it's ionizing, but then would it murder you on the spot? Well, I think it's like. The ghosts are negatively charged. Yes. And so what you're trying to do is generate a source of positively charged protons. Okay. Which is why you're stripping the electrons. So you're trying to create something that can interact with the negatively charged... Ghosts. um, Particles of the the ectoplasms. Okay. Yeah. So, well, that'll bring us right into how we actually contain them, right? So let's talk about the... How this beam then is used to contain them into this ectotrap, right? The residual ectoplasm that's interacting with the corporeal plane as a non-Newtonian fluid so that when you apply a force to it, it acts like a solid. The ectotrap itself that you've got on the ground sprays up. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to read this as a direct quote from the script. A fixed multidimensional inverted pyramid of bright beaded white light. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) So... The idea is the particle throwers, which are the positively charged beams of uh, positively charged proton beams. Protons. They strip the valence electrons from the psychokinetic energy. Right. And when they do this, it weakens it. Okay. Now, the particle collisions also caused by the high speed jets coming through the particle throwers cause these decay paths to occur. And when these particles collide, it leads to muons. And muons are negatively charged heavy particles. But they're basically identical to an electron, but around 200 times heavier. This is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They contribute to muonic hydrogen, which is a more massive particle, and it will weigh the entity down. You've you've got it trapped because the positively charged proton beams are attracting the negatively charged entity. You're creating muons which is making it heavier, so it's weighing it more down towards the ground where you have your trap spraying up its um, pyramid of light doing a thing. I don't know. Um, So you bring it down towards the trap, and then the trap itself works like a penning trap. So it uses static electric and magnetic fields to then hold the entity in place. Amazing. Close the trap. You've caught your ghost. There you go. Came, saw, kicked its ass. <laughs> yeah. Did we? Kicked Did its we? ass. <laughs> Did we do it? It's pretty amazing. It's almost like if you take away a lot of the techno babble, you could probably have a scientific, like, logic sort of uh, flow on effect as to what it yeah. is. If you're like, if you're arguing that they're negatively charged particles and they were arguing that we have um, an ionizing beam of a proton beam. And if you argue that this weakens it, then if you, like you're basically taking away all the all the bullshit fancy speak around it to basically explain technically 
what they're doing, which isn't, which is. Well, I think that's the point, though. It's not interesting. all bullshit, it's, fancy speak. If you like PKE, yeah, because you're talking about something that's not a thing. It's not a thing. But, but if it were, you know, it's a real. You're like kind of you can nerd out on it because it's it's sort of like who cares if it's not. If it was a yeah. thing, how would you catch it? And that can be fun. Yeah, exactly. And it could be fun to try to imagine it. That's fun. Who cares yeah. if it's not real? <laughs> it's fun to imagine. Yeah. Well done. I was down with it. I was into it. <laughs> I'm sure there's a much better explanation that could be given for the things that I said, but, <laughs> you know. Maybe not. Yeah, let's not, like, you know, like I said, let's just be a little bit more general. Let's not go too heavy. I'm sure that people would have corrections in some of my particle physics mm. chat, but. It's a fun movie, and I don't want to shit on it too much, but ghosts are bullshit. Obviously, I believe ghosts are bullshit, but uh oh, <gasps> this movie—I would never say ghosts are not—I would never say ghosts are not bullshit. But this movie basically sciences ghosts and has science solve the problem. Yeah. It doesn't like say that the ghosts are there because God is, but we had that priest that was a hilarious like priest bit. God is angry and we have to repent. And if we pray, <laughs> they're like, no, ghosts are science. And as scientists, we will science them. Yeah. <laughs> Good science and in I Ghostbusters. Appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. If ghosts are real, they are just science. They're not like... Uh, Anything that requires a spiritual awakening. Yeah. That's the that's the stuff that I find more annoying. So go science. I would like science ghosts. <laughs> I like science ghosts. I don't want to hear like uh, you know, the exorcist basically yeah. making like, Oh, you're a single mom <laughs> and now your daughter has a demon. Fuck that. That's what happens with all it's single fun. moms, right? Daughters are demons. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of. But, no, I, I like that they they undermined the whole idea of spirits by making it about science. I, I feel like what I just said there, I need to do the disclaimer that I was raised by a single mom. So <laughs> I feel like I'm allowed to say that. I'm not a demon. Maybe I am. Who knows? You're not a demon child. <laughs> Get out, <laughs> demon child. Um, yeah. So we have scienced Ghostbusters, and I'm quite pleased with it. <laughs> you did an awesome job. It's a celebration of science. Yeah, it's fun. It is a celebration of science. It, I think it is. It's a great like, and it's it a love science. Fucking good movie. Um, it's a great movie. It's a movie that loves science. But let's 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 bring ourselves down to our. Let's. <laughs> now that we've science. Oh my god. Now that we've scienced it. Oh my god. Are you ready? Oh my god. No. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go. Okay. It's time. It's that time. It's the most wonderful time of the episode. What the fuck? What the What the What the fuck? Frida. Oh my god. Wait, 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 wait. Cuz I know that we have the same what the fuck moment, so I We might not. I, I think we do. Okay. I don't I, oh. I think the only way to do this is to say, right, okay, what character is related to your what the fuck moment? Dan Aykroyd's. Yes. We okay. definitely have the same one. It can only be the same one. So I just, how are we going to do this? Should we just do one, two, does three, and we say it at the same time? Does it involve someone's eyes going cross-eyed? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Obviously. All right. Okay. 
One, two, three. Two, three. Ghost Ghost blowjob. But just his face, just that whole movie blowjob face. That is a trope, actually. I should have, I should have chosen it as my trope. Is the face that people in movies make when they get blowjobs? Their eyes could cross over (laughs) and their cheeks puff out, and they're like, "Oh!" I love how that's your what the fuck. My what the fuck is the fact that it exists at all. I know it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. But his face, that that insane blowjob face in movies. But what the actual fuck was this? Little so like, 20 so second I, bit. I read a bunch of stuff about it, right? And people are like, oh, it's a dream sequence. And it's like, <laughs> there was just this amazing thread. And I don't know if it was a Twitter thread or if it was a Reddit thread, but it was just this amazing thread where someone was like, you know, I can't stop thinking about the fact that there was a ghost blowjob scene in Ghostbusters and not just the fact that it was a scene, but the fact that like they decided that it made the final edit, that they decided to put it in there. I know it was a dream, but still. And then somebody responded with just some movie trivia kind of saying, actually, in the original edit, they did a whole scene in the castle where this ghost blowjob moment happens. And then they decided to cut the castle scene but they kept the ghost blowjob scene and turned it into a dream sequence. So it was supposed to be a real thing that really happened. It became a dream sequence. So I, di- I didn't read it as a dream sequence. To me, it oh. was a montage <laughs> of ghost interactions. This ghost, that ghost, this ghost in the library, this ghost in the subway, ghost here, ghost blowjob. To me, I didn't read that as a dream sequence. I read that as during all of this, someone ha- someone at some point has sex with a ghost. It's one of those moments where it doesn't age well in terms of how the movie becomes such a beloved like children's movie. Uh, uh, like, can we just? I just want to make that the face again. Sorry, I'm just want to try. It. It's like a cross-eyed. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. Take a picture of that. Put it on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, can I read you some uh, glorious tweets from uh, Twitter of just terms that people came up with for ghost blowjob? Go. Do you want to hear? Okay. There's just four. First one, ghost jobs. <laughs> just ghost, ghost Second jobs. one, boo jobs. Yeah. Third one, spectralatio. And my favorite... Erectoplasm. Oh, that's funny. This actually brings us into our final verdict. The first question on the final verdict is, did the movie pass the Bechdel test? No. And, I mean, it did not. Um, But what I do want to say is that, like, they did remake this in 2016 with an all-female cast. And I did watch it. And I did Mm. love it. Like, I want to say that. I love the 2016 remake. I know there was a lot of, like, crying fanboys. Mm. You can't remake the original. Shut up. Um, it's, it was a great cast. Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Chris Hemsworth. It's great. It's funny. It's totally worth the watch. I just wanted to do the original for this episode, but it wasn't that I didn't want to. It wasn't because I didn't like the female yeah. remake. Did you? I'm guessing you didn't. No, no, no. I've seen, seen it. I've seen the you, 2016 one. You saw the yeah. 2016 one. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. it's. It just. 
it, it, I wanted to laugh more. Th- I liked it. I just wasn't laughing as much as I was ready to laugh. I was like ready to laugh and I laughed less yeah. than um, that. And I think it just shows how hard it is to take a bunch of comedians and make an excellent movie. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit tired of remakes. You didn't yeah. have to remake it. I'm not shitting on yeah. the remake. I did like it. I'm I just want to be clear, I liked yeah. that movie. But we constantly nowadays seem to be going like we want more representation for women as well as mm-hmm. like for people of color too. So let's remake this and recast yeah. it. And it's like, no, yeah. how about you actually no. give someone their own fucking role? How about instead of saying we're going to remake this, yeah. but you have to play this character that somebody else has already played before, but you have to make it your own and hope that people like it. How about giving someone their own thing to work with? Just come up with new stories, create new That's movies. Right. Like I just, yes, you know, um, yes, make stories that are yeah. women's stories. Exactly. And, yes. and that's cool. And, that you know, that's just where it went. But anyway, as you said, this we we scienced ghosts in this movie. We did, we did, we did, did we? I think we did. Ah, did it pass? Here comes the science bit. <laughs> like no, right? Such a tricky one. I mean, there's a lot of babble. Yeah, it's a tricky one because there's a lot of babble. Okay, remove the babble. Was I yelling at the screen in fury? No, I was like, oh yeah, I just like. I, I, whenever they did the techno babble, I just like turned to my partner and I was like, hey. yeah, <laughs> it was funny. I just, it was funny. Yeah. The lines were stupid. They, sometimes it was funny. you just can't help it. You're just like, wait, what? But okay. Lol. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, they're doing it on purpose. Cause maybe there's an element of this movie that is making fun of science fiction as well. Mm. They're making fun of that shit in a way of how dumb it is. So I, I, I wasn't angry. I, it made me happy, so I, I have to pass it. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right then. <laughs> it passes. I'll, I'll pass it. Um, what's your final it's verdict? Self-aware. How many ghosts? <sighs> it's a, it's a celebration of science over non-science things. Yes. Yeah. It's a tri- It's it's how science triumphs over things. Um. And add to that, it's it's wonderfully entertaining and it's so funny. So it has to be a really high score. Given <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking back on your scores from previous movies? Have you done that yet? I haven't done it yet because yeah. I, I was I made a comment to you on our Slack that um I I gave three point nine to Mars because it didn't punch me in the gut. Yeah. It didn't get me anywhere, and so let's see if we can quantify how much Frida values a punch in the gut. Um. <laughs> This movie, like, it's just a joy. It's a joy, and it celebrates science. It's getting four point six. <laughs> I just can't believe you give it higher than the Martian. What is wrong with you? But fine. A lot. It's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. You're totally entitled to your opinion. (laughs) Of course you are. Thank you. I'm giving it 4.2 ghosts. Yay. (laughs) It was really hard to score this because this was, for the very reason I had to watch it a second time, I was like, if I'm going to talk about such a beloved movie, I have to, you know, it really is that good. 
It really is that good. I'm not just doing that just yeah. because I don't want to piss people off. We didn't even mention the puffed man. <laughs> there's so, we didn't even oh talk about God, the marshmallow, the marshmallow puff. puff. There, we, there's so much in this movie which is, there is so, yeah. it, it goes so absurd. Yeah. It it's becomes absurd and hilarious. And we actually even want another part of this movie that maybe is like they're three widows that size society doesn't reject and they get rejected in the beginning. Yeah. And then society accepts them and celebrates them at the end. So yeah. stay weird, stay strange. Be yourselves. Find a way to just be yourself, and if yeah. that means going into business, yeah, you find well, you find your luck. you find your corner. Yeah, find, and car- stay in carve it. out your spot. That's, stay big. Yes. Make noise. Take up space. Mm-hmm. But be yourself. That is it for Ghostbusters, and mm-hmm. that is it for 2020. Aww. Almost. So we're taking Aww. a break, but just a little one. Now, we still have the last episode of our Hackers miniseries taking us out next week where we're talking live free or die hard. Now, after that, we will be back on January 14th with our very first episode of 2021. Finally, we get to put this year behind us and lock the vaults and don't let anyone but Hagrid open it. Frida, (laughs) you have the first movie pick of 2021. You get to set the tone and start us off on a high. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) What have you chosen? I've chosen contact. Yes! It's time. It's time. It's time. It is time. <gasps> yeah, I feel like we've we've sort of littered the big ones throughout and I've been kind of waiting for the right time to do contact. And I think after a silliness of Ghostbusters, silliness of Harry Potter, we can really go back to something way more sort of with the the intention of the podcast. I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us at scienceatthemovies at gmail.com. Catch us on Instagram at scienceatthemovies and on Twitter at movies underscore science. Um, we would really, really love it and appreciate it if people would um, give us a rating or like, you know, um, yeah, on especially on Apple Podcasts. It would be really great to help us increase our visibility a little bit. It's really hard these days with the saturation of podcasts at the moment and a lot of big podcasts, you know, they have companies and studios and and people, mm. you know, producers pushing them. And we're just two old scientists yeah. trying to do a thing. So it would be awesome if you could help um, push us. Thank you so very much and happy holidays, everyone. That's right. Happy holidays. Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> Is it just a mist? Is it just a mist or does it have likes and arms? So good. <laughs>